I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 165, in which I play with form. And I'm recording this on Sunday, September 28th, 2014. I want to say thank you so much to everybody for listening and for your patience. I know I sort of dropped off the um, face of the earth again for a couple of weeks there, but there was good reason. Um, I also want to say thank you to all of those of you who have been commenting And also thank you to those of you who have played along with the Band Books Week Challenge, which officially is over today. Actually, yesterday. I'll be announcing my two winners in this episode. And then be sure to also make sure you check over um, at Tanisha at Crafty Garden Moms Podcast to see who her winners are. If you remember, we were drawing winners out of the Flickr group of people who had completed their Band Books Week projects and had posted them up there. I always struggle with that books, the plural. I always want to say Band Book Week. That just, you know, flows off my tongue a lot more quickly, but it's actually Band Books Week. In any case, I know once again, I got word from a couple of people that, oh, gee, I would have loved to have um, done it this time, this year, but I didn't have time. You know what? Band Books Week happens every year. So you could actually already start thinking about what you're going to do next year, because I can pretty much guarantee that Tanisha and I will probably be doing this challenge again, or at least one of us will. Um, It's something that we both really believe in, and we have a lot of fun doing that challenge. So um, it's always in September. It's usually around the same week, and, you know, it's always books. So (laughs) you can go ahead and and start looking at those banned and challenged books lists now and start making your plans for next year, if you so choose. Um, A couple of announcements Um, Well, actually, just one more in addition to the fact that I will be announcing my winners for Band Books Week. Uh, The Scrapitude cutting instructions have gone up. Most of you are probably already aware of that if you follow the blog. Um, They did go up on my blog, just the cutting instructions, because Charlotte hasn't quite gotten her own blog ready yet, but... um, her the cutting instructions will be on her blog we're hoping when it gets launched and of course when her blog is ready I will make sure you all know the um, blog link for it the name of her blog etc I will post direct links to it on my blog etc etc I do know that Charlotte has been responding to questions that are posted through the form on my blog post so if you go to my cutting instructions for scrapitude blog post And if as you're cutting or as you're choosing your fabric, you have some questions, there's a Google form right on that page that you can use to ask your questions. Uh, Charlotte then looks at the questions that have been posted through that and she responds by email directly and she copies me in on them. I'm just keeping an eye on the questions that are being asked and, and how she's answering them to see if there's anything, you know, if the same question keeps coming back up over and over again, um, I will talk about it here. I've just got one Um, comment that I do want to make in this episode about that. Um, A lot of folks have been asking, what's a blender? She does have cutting instructions for a blender. She mentions in the cutting instructions what she actually means by a blender. It's basically a tone-on-tone. Anything that sort of reads as a solid, it does need to be able to contrast with your background. Uh, The reason for it reading as a solid is because of the issue of uh, secondary designs that might get lost if it is as busy or blends in too much with your scraps. So um, that's her response about blenders is tone-on-tone, something that reads as a solid or is at least... um, well, I don't know how much, how better to say that. Just it's got a contrast with the background and it needs to kind of give your eye a place to rest in all the rest of the scraps. So hopefully that helps. Uh, that's the only question that several people have um, asked either through Twitter or directly to Charlotte. Other questions have been very, um, you know, kind of hit or miss, mostly stuff that uh, was in the blog post. So um, do check that out. Uh, again, she's posting the cutting instructions now, or we we just did a week or two weeks ago, I guess, at this point. And then the actual steps for the mystery quilt start in January. I believe I just heard rumor that Bonnie Hunter's annual scrap quilt 
I think she's posting the cutting instructions sometime in October, and that goes October, November. Uh, so Charlotte has kind of arranged her mystery quilt around that because she knows a lot of folks kind of do both her um, quilt and Bonnie Hunter. So um, you get the cutting instructions now to give you all sorts of time to be choosing your fabrics and cutting scraps. And, and then the actual steps go live in January. And I believe it is timed out so it'll end somewhere around May. Uh, again, Bonnie Hunter poses her new clues every week. Charlotte will be posting hers every month because they go there um, commensurate with our guild meetings. Uh, so again, all of that information is also on the Scrapitude Cutting blog post from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this past week, of course, was Banned Books Week, and I have to choose two winners for my gift certificates from Powell's Bookstore. So hang on just a minute. Let me go check who those are. Okay, I went through and looked at who all had uh, posted pictures in the group. You did not get extra entries for extra pictures um, because some people posted two or three photos, you know, ver ver uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Views of their project. So I, you know, just one name at a time. And um, then I used random number generators to pick two winners because I have two $15 gift certificates to Powell's Bookstore, uh, which the Bricks and Mortar is in Portland, Oregon, world's best bookstore ever. I love it there. I've been there twice, uh, but I'm doing online gift certificates to their website. And the two winners are Carol and Tanisha. I'm very pleased to say that Tanisha is a winner this year. I know she normally tells me not to include her name. Um, I just bowled over her this year and, and did include her name, and then she was randomly chosen. And I think that's just fair because she does such wonderful giveaway gifts for people all the time. So, Tanisha and Carol, you are the two winners of the gift certificates to Powell's. I will send you an email shortly um, to make sure I'm getting the, the gift certificate to the right email address and that sort of thing. So congratulations to both of you. Thank you for everybody for playing along. And I will be talking a little bit more about my own Band Book Week uh, project a, a little bit later in this podcast. So first... Uh, my Sandy update, uh, I did not record last weekend because I was out of town for work. And, you know, it's almost a little bit embarrassing to say this, but this year, this work event last weekend was actually a cruise. It was the first ever cruise that our organize, organization sponsored. And we actually did it in partnership with a, a sister organization of ours in the denomination. And um, it, it really, truly was an experiment. We've had people asking us for years if we would do a cruise, and we kept saying, I don't think it would really work for us, and, you know, a variety of reasons it just never happened. And right now, for the last year or so and going into the next three or four years, we're really messing around with how we do events. We're trying a lot of different types of events, different timings, different lengths of time, um, just the whole nine yards, because, you know, things are changing, realities are changing women's lives are different. Um, pricing is different. The economy is different. So we're just messing around with a whole lot of stuff. When we decided, why not? Why don't we try a cruise? Um, it was a three-night cruise. We left out of Port Canaveral, Florida, and went to, uh, we had a day in Nassau in the Bahamas, and then a day in Coco Cay, which is a privately owned island by the cruise line, which I think every cruise line has its own island or two. Um, and that was really it. We didn't really have any days at sea. It was just, you know, we disembarked on Friday at around, I think we actually took off at around five o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, somewhere in there. And then we were in Nassau in port from noon on Saturday until close to midnight. And then we were in Coco Cay all day Sunday. And then um, we disembarked early Monday morning. So uh, it was a short cruise. We had a couple of program sessions during that time. We had guest speakers and such for our program. Uh, but mostly the, the theme of our retreat was self-care. It was how to take care of yourself in the midst of your busy life and in the midst of your ministry and, and everything you do. And um, so we were pretty intentional about keeping programming limited, you know, as as much as possible. We wanted people to feel like they had gotten some good programming, but also not that we were, you know, every time they weren't in port, they were in a session room. So we tried to keep that balanced. Um, so we had plenty of time just kind of for people to be on their own. So it was a more relaxing trip for me than my usual route, uh, route my usual work events are. Um, you know, at meals and such, I was still on. I was still the staff person. I was still, you know, kind of keeping an eye out for people, making sure if I saw somebody just sitting alone by themselves all the time, just sort of 
touching base with them. Of course, there are some people that really did want to just be alone for the weekend, and that was great. Um, you know, we kept saying to people, do what you need to do. That's what the whole point of this cruise is. Um, I did go snorkeling when I was in Coco Cay. That was um, a lot of fun. I had a meeting of the minds with a rather large fish. I, don't, I have no idea what kind of fish he was. There were several of him swimming around. Um, and this one, you know, I kept, as I was snorkeling, I would kind of swim through entire schools of fish or, or they'd come up and sort of check me out. The little ones, the, the yellow ones with the black stripes, they were very curious, kept coming right up to me. Um, although when I tried to poke one, he ran away too fast. But anyway, this this larger fish, they were a little bit lower down in the water, so I couldn't, you know, get right up to them the way I did other ones. But I was swimming alongside this one for a bit and all of a sudden he sort of slowed down. And so I slowed down and there were no other fish around. He he lost his school. He just sat there and stared at me for a while sideways. We were kind of both looking at each other out of the corners of our eyes. And then he turned around and faced me dead on. And I stared at him, facing him dead on for several seconds. I mean, this really <laughs> this went on for a while. We, we both just sort of sat there staring at each other. And then I started thinking, you know, I look at him as this kind of gentle fish. And I, I wasn't afraid of him. I You know, fish don't have teeth, at least not these kind of fish. Um, but I suddenly was thinking, okay, with dogs, if you stare at a strange dog for too long, it's taken as a sign of aggression and they tend to charge you. <laughs> I was like, I really don't want this fish charging me. So I decided, you know, this is probably not going to end well for one of us. I'll just move on now. <laughs> so I just kind of turned and swam away. But, you know, as my friends were saying, yeah, the, the fish was looking at me saying, yeah, sister, you're in my house now. <laughs> so that was kind of my, my fun little, you know, uh, contact with some of the, the local <laughs> the locals <laughs> underwater. Um, but it was really nice. It was a beautiful day. Uh, they did at one point try to start moving us off and on to, out of the water and onto the beach because there was a thunderstorm that looked like it was rolling in. But um, then it passed right by us. So most people didn't even actually get out of the water. They got closer in. But at that point, I had just about been deciding I was getting tired and wanted. I had been probably snorkeling for a couple of hours and was ready to get out of the water anyway. So that was kind of the end of my um, snorkeling. And then my friend and I just, and my supervisor actually was with us as well. The three of us had uh, snorkeled together and we had, they had a big barbecue on the beach. So we had lunch and then we kind of wandered around for a while. And then my friend and I had signed up for a couple's massage because <laughs> it was cheaper than each of us doing one alone. And it was in supposedly in a cabana on the beach, but it wasn't actually a cabana on the beach. It was a building, um, and they had the curtains and everything all closed, so you couldn't even really look out on the water while you were doing it. It wasn't like the pictures you see in the magazines of people getting massages and cabanas on the beach. Uh, but still, you know, it was a massage. I'm not really complaining. So that was nice. Um, that was my self-care moment. So, you know, all in all, it, it was a good cruise. And most of the women seemed to, well, the women I was talking to on the cruise really seemed to be... Um, excited about this just being the first cruise and not the only cruise. So it would not surprise me if we, we do more in the future, but that's something that gets decided in our October business meetings that are kind of the middle of the month. I'll be in Atlanta for meetings, and that's when we kind of look at all the reviews of the summer events and decide what we're doing next. But then I got home Monday night, two hours later, um, because of delays, but in the grand scheme of things, two hours is not a big deal. <laughs> In terms of delays from airports, if I get home two hours later, that's that's a good thing. I've had trips where I've gotten home an entire day later, so I'll take two hours. The only problem was it was at night. I was supposed to get home at 9 p.m., and I got home at 11 p.m., and then, of course, I also have to wind down before I can get to sleep, so I didn't get a great night's sleep Monday, and then first thing Tuesday morning, I had my root canal. Um, it was supposed to have happened before I went on the cruise, and uh, they ended up having to cancel it and reschedule it for Tuesday, which originally I was not happy about the fact that that meant I was going through the cruise with only half a molar. Um, but as it turned out, I think it worked out for the best because not only then did I go in for the root canal already completely exhausted, <laughs> so my um, whole anxiety level was naturally a little bit lower. I was still on kind of a Dramamine hangover because I'd been on 24-hour um, low-dose low uh, Dramamine through the entire um, trip uh, for seasickness. So that always takes, when I have to take it several days in a row like that, it takes a couple of days for it to fully really get out of my system. So I was already beat. So I think that helped the root canal. And then the second thing was actually my jaw felt worse after the root canal than it did before. And if I had had to go through the cruise 
with as little range of motion in my jaw <laughs> after that root canal as I had, that would have really been a problem. I mean, as it was when I was on the cruise, I could eat relatively normally. I just had to be a little bit careful. Um, but after that root canal, my jaw completely locked up on me for about three days. I really could not open it at all. Um, I, I have to say, by the way, Daisy, thank you very much. I had been listening to one of you, I think it was your most recent episode, but you may have posted one after that that I haven't gotten to listen to yet, where you described your own dental experience. Um, yeah, I shouldn't have listened to that before I went in for a root canal because it didn't help. Thank you <laughs> very much. Um, but I had already decided I was going to have the nitrous oxide, the the gas, laughing gas as they call it. And what turned out happening is um, the the, dent, the endodontist who was doing my procedure, again, I, I have a way of impressing people for all the wrong reasons. I had impressed my dentist in the first place for how badly I had broken my tooth. And with the endodontist, I impressed him with how much oxygen I needed. Not the gas, not the nitrogen in the mix, but the oxygen. He had to keep cranking up the oxygen because I didn't feel like I was able to breathe well enough. And by the end of it, I overheard him saying to um, the hygienist who was helping him that normally people get something like 500 milligrams. I don't know exactly what the measurement is, but I know the word was, the number was 500. I was up to 900 before I finally was able to breathe properly. And I realized later, he, he said something about, well, maybe you're just congested. And I wasn't because I had actually taken care of that that morning. I realized later when I was thinking about it, it probably has to do with the fact that I have paid so much attention over the years to my breathing. And the fact that a lot of people get more stressed, the more stressed they get, the shallower their breathing is. And so I have really trained myself over the years to deal with stress through deeper, slower breathing. And I think apparently... I just breathe way too well. The uh, endodontist didn't quite say, but came very close to saying, would you just stop breathing? I mean, he kept telling me, can you, are you able to adjust, you know, breathe more slowly or something? I'm like, that's not the problem. <laughs> you know, just, I was just breathing more deeply than your average bear in the chair. Uh, so that was kind of, you know, vaguely entertaining. But between using the gas and having a podcast, you know, having my headphones on and listening to a podcast, which I believe Jackie had recommended. Thank you very much. Um, I made it through the, the root canal with really relatively little problem in terms of, you know, no pain or anything, very little discomfort, even though they had all that stuff in my mouth. The problem was literally afterwards. Um, I have issues with TMJ disorder. Um, that's the where you, the, your jaw has issues. And it just completely sent it. it. My jaw was in high druthers, as they say. I could not open my mouth, really, for like a day and a half. Um, and then the next day and a half, I had very little. I could open maybe a quarter of an inch. So I was having to be very careful of what I ate. You know, a lot more scrambled eggs and stuff like that. In fact, uh, if you follow my blog, I posted a blog post today with a Craftsy class review in which I learned several new ways to make eggs. <laughs> Because I was like, okay, if all I can eat is eggs and pasta, let me at least make it interesting and eat different types of eggs and pasta. Um, that being said, I'm now really taking my TMJ disorder seriously. I've, you know, for years I've here and there done relaxation exercise and that kind of stuff. Now I've actually started using a night guard. I looked up some self-massage techniques. I've been using heat and ice. I've set up massage therapy appointments for myself once a month. Again, something I've always said I should do because I'm on the computer all day, but for my TMJ, I think it's really going to be necessary. And I've even sort of started looking into acupuncture, although the idea of that really creeps me out, but I, you know, I'm willing to think that might help too. So that's, you know, just the root canal's done. It is, uh, now I've got that temporary filling. I don't get the crown. The first appointment for the crown isn't until like almost the end of October um, because of my travel schedule and the fact that you have to wait two to three weeks before you can even have it done. Uh, so I still have to be very careful in how I eat. And then of course the crown, uh, procedure will probably make my jaw lock up again. So this is, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to eat until December, uh, when I'm in Burma, which mostly they eat soft food anyway, <laughs> so I should be okay. Um, I've been making a whole lot of homemade pasta. I've, I'm in the midst of making some today. I've got a, a batch, um, already cut and drying and I've got a second batch, you have to let it dry out a little bit before you run it through the rollers to cut it. So that's where it's it's kind of drying out. I've already rolled it to flatten sheets. Now I'm waiting for it to dry a little bit before I can run it through and, and cut that one. Uh, this week's uh, uh, 
menu are whole wheat pasta again, and then I'm making just plain egg pasta with a different flour that my friend had bought me. It's the double zero flour, which is actually what they use in Italy. Um, my friend gave me a little gift basket of some flowers and oils and stuff to use for pasta because she knew I was doing this pasta making stuff. And I really like this double zero flour. It's the first time I've used it. There's a definite difference in the texture um, from the other flours I've been using, uh, some of which are I've used an actual pasta flour and I've used unbleached white flour, which is another one um, that they recommend. And they all work beautifully. You know, they all work absolutely fine. It's just a matter of you get a slightly different texture, a slightly different mouthfeel. And I think I'm really going to like this one. So um, the trick I had today was I had no problems every other time I've made pasta with anything sticking. I've always, you know, the proportions of flour to egg have been dead on. I've had no problems with anything sticking in the rollers. It's all worked beautifully. Today, everything was sticking. It was driving me nuts. I was getting folds. I was getting stuff getting caught up in the rollers. I was, it was just a mess. And I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, what did I do? Everything, you know, the dough felt right in my hands when I was working with it. And every step along the way, it felt right. But it was just starting to stick so badly. And it wasn't until I was almost done with the second batch that I realized, wait a minute, we don't have the air conditioning on. Um, it's a beautiful day out today. And you know, it's almost the end of September here. So actually, it is kind of the end of September. So we decided let's not do the air conditioning. Let's just keep the windows open. We're not going to get very many of these nice days left. Well, it's actually too hot in the house and it's too humid and it affected the pasta. Um, every other time I've made pasta, I've had the air conditioning on. So when I realized that, I was like, okay, can we turn on the air conditioning just so I can get through the rest of the pasta? So, um, you know, I think the rest of it should go fine. But that was, a, you know, a little one of those kind of all right, when it's more humid out, I need a little more flour than I think I do, even if it feels okay. Uh, so that's my pasta making adventures. I, when I did not post an episode the weekend before last, when I thought, uh, when I was making pasta that day, I was making whole wheat and chocolate pasta. Um, chocolate pasta is a lot of fun to make. It is not sweet. It's a, a dark baking cocoa that you use. Um, and after I made it, I made up a batch, you know, you cook it just like you do normal pasta. And then I made it with some chopped strawberries. And I think I melted down a little bit of Nutella and chopped up some hazelnuts on top and just a dab of whipped cream. Um, and it was good, but I want to keep experimenting. There's There's got to be better ways to really use this chocolate pasta to really let it shine. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of a fun thing I've done. I think this coming weekend I might make, I have a recipe for a lemon pepper pasta. My in-laws are having a, um, a clam bake. They used to annually have a clam bake. It's been a few years. And so they're going to try to do one again. Let's see, I should say my mother-in-law because my father-in-law is, is pretty much, um, well, things are not good. Uh, but anyway, my mother-in-law is throwing a clam bake with helps from all the boys. And so I think what I'm going to do is maybe make some sort of appetizer ravioli sort of thing with the lemon pepper pasta and some sort of crab filling. I'm still kind of messing around in my head with how I want to do this. Um, and I'm going to be doing some internet research, but I, I really want to make this lemon pepper pasta and it just seems like it would work well with crab. So anyway, that's, that's my pasta adventures. Quilting wise, I did get my band books week project done and it's on display this week at my public library. Um, I had a lot of fun making it. It's not my all-time favorite project. It's not one that's going to go down in my memory of, wow, I just loved the way that turned out. Um, it turned out kind of how I thought it would turn out. It's not like anything's wrong with it. Um, I just, I, I did a lot of experimenting on it. And so the final product is not necessarily something that I would look at and say, oh, that's got perfect balance and harmony and unity and all those design principles and everything. Um, but I really had a lot of fun doing it. And in terms of the symbolism of the book that I did, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. And I did a blog post about it. So all of that's in the blog. The only thing I did leave to talk about in my podcast about how I did it was how I stiffened the piece of fabric. I thought that would be easier to talk about um, verbally than it would be to try to write it all out. If you look at the pictures in my blog, and the blog post went live last week, maybe Wednesday or something, Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah, I think it was Wednesday. I had the the black piece across the top. That's her, um, the gown that they were made to wear. Um, 
is one of my hand dyes that I had, uh, I did it a long time ago. It's one of the ones when I was experimenting with different blacks. And then I had used a discharge spray on it. So it had sort of rust color spots in it. And I just thought it looked perfect as sort of a muddy gown, you know, a, somebody's black, uh, uh, I can't remember the word for them, but the, the women that have to wear the black garbs over their clothing, um, if she's been walking through the streets, it's going to be, get kind of splattered with dust and mud. And so I thought that fabric looked perfect for that. But I really wanted to stiffen it, partly because I wanted to keep the folds of the cloth, you know, as if she was moving and it was kind of flapping around in the breeze. I wanted that to be visible. But I also wanted to stiffen it to um, represent the rigidity of thought that it represented. Um, I used a product called Aileen's, Aileen's Fabric Stiffener and Draping Liquid. Aileen is A-L-E-E-N-E-S. Um, I uh, Honestly, I've owned this for years. I bought it, I think, at a Joann's, I think. Um, but again, it was a long time ago. I've had this on my shelf for a while and I've always wanted to play with it. And I finally said, okay, I'm just going to start doing it. Um, it basically has the consistency and it smells like glue, white glue. It's thicker, I think, than Elmer's. Although honestly, it's been a long time since I've poured a bunch of Elmer's out of, <laughs> out of a bottle and into a bowl and really looked at what the consistency is. But I don't think, I, this feels a lot thicker. Um, and what you do is you just saturate your fabric with it and then you shape the fabric however you want to shape it and then you let the fabric dry and the glue um, holds it stiff in whatever shape you've put it in and it dries clear. Now, what I learned from the process is I just used the um, fabric siphoner uh, full strength. Put, you know, I put my fabric, I wadded it up. My fabric was about a fat quarter. So... Um, I think I probably used about a quarter cup of the, maybe I used a half a bottle. I just sort of dumped <laughs> some from the bottle into the bowl with the fabric until, you know, I could, and then mushed the fabric around until I really felt like it was saturated. Um, and again, that was full strength. I probably could have cut it with some water. I could have diluted it some and still probably gotten pretty close to the same result. Um, that's something that would just take some experimentation, taking small scrap fabrics and doing them in, you know, this one is full strength, this one is half and half, this one has, you know, whatever your proportions are of the stiffener to the water. Um, so you can see what the different results are going to be, how little of the stiffener you need to get in there for it to really hold its shape. Um, the other thing that I learned is that I had it, um, I had laid it out on cellophane because I needed to scrunch it up, and I figured cellophane would be the easiest way to do that because it'll just scrunch with the fabric. Um, and then I let it dry in shape on the cellophane for oh, probably maybe six hours or so. I sort of, you know, I did it, the the stiffening and the shaping, that only took me about 10 minutes, 15 minutes um, in the middle of the day. And then later that night I went back, it was sitting out on our kitchen counter in shape. And so later that night I went back and kind of touched it and it felt like it was at least dry enough that I was able to pull the cellophane off the back and then I, I took the piece and I put it onto freezer paper to finish, or parchment paper, I guess, to finish drying. Um, because I wasn't sure if I would be able to get the cellophane off if it dried fully. And I was right. It, I, you know, I might have been able to, but I had to do a little bit of tugging to get it off the back, even with it still partially wet. And the other thing is that the backside where it was on the cellophane actually is shiny in some places. It took the shape of the cellophane, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. So that is something, if you're looking at doing a 3D form or something where it's going to make a difference how it looks from all angles, you're going to want to watch what you're actually laying it on to um, dry and stiffen because it's going to take whatever that texture is, I think. Um, if I were to do it again, I would probably shape it maybe right on a parchment paper or a wax paper or something where it wouldn't actually whatever I'm shaping it on would allow it to slide around, but not actually get up into the folds of it. And again, I would also mess around a little bit with how much I diluted it. Now, fair warning, the stuff does smell like 
glue very strongly and that that smell sticks with it for a while as it's drying the smell does eventually go away by the next morning i couldn't smell the glue anymore that night you know when i went to pull the cellophane off and stuff i could still smell it and i was a little bit worried i was like oh please tell me that the smell isn't going to stay in here um by the next morning the smell was completely gone and then i just had to figure out how to actually attach it to, <laughs> to my project and and I knew I was doing it. It's not like I hadn't thought, oh, gee, no, I'm going to have to figure out how to do this. I knew every step of the way, Some eventually I'm going to have to really think through how I'm attaching this, but I didn't know how to do it otherwise. I had to do it as a separate piece. So what I ended up doing is um, I actually, I did the top fabric, or, you know, the background to the piece, the background fabric and batting, and basted those together with just a little bit of spray base. If I, I think I spray basted it maybe. And then I did my quilting on that piece because all I was doing was a straight line quilt just to give it some texture um, for the background and to hold those two pieces together. And then before I put the backing fabric on, I attached all my individual pieces except for the um, the, the stiffened fabric um, on the top because I knew that was going to extend over the edge of the project. So I needed a finished edge before I added that on. So I tacked everything else down. Every one of those pieces is 3D. The socks I actually did as individual pieces. Um, you know, I, I scrapped the sock together front and then I layered it with a piece of batting and the backing in such a way that I sewed it all together and then turned it inside out and then just finished off the edge. And I didn't do a clean finish because the uh, top edge was going to be hidden under the gown part. Um, that's a very quick explanation. If any of you don't know what I'm talking about, feel free to email me and I'll try to explain it better. Uh, so each of those socks actually, you know, holds its own. If you lift it up, you see a back. And then I just, so I tacked those down at the very top where it would be underneath the, um, the gown. And then the stones, you'll notice that they are quilted in a grid. I actually did the quilting before I attached them. So each one of those is the same thing where I took the front fabric, the backing, or I, I layered the backing fabric, front fabric and then the batting sewed around the inside edges turned it around whip stitch the end of it closed so it was again a standalone piece and then I quilted each one of them um, and then all I did to tack those down is I actually tacked them down in the intersections of the quilting so you can't if you get right up on top of it you can see where I tacked it down but otherwise you really can't because it just blends in with the quilting and I did all of that because I really wanted this thing to be as dimensional as possible. I had also really wanted the socks to kind of hang free a little bit more, but I found that they kept just sort of flopping off to the side and not looking right. So I did have to tack them down a little bit more than I wanted to, but they still, the bottom of them still hangs free. Um, no, I take that back. I did end up tacking them down on the heels, I think too, but I blended it in with the fabric. So again, you can't really see it. Um, then I put the backing on, fused a binding around the outside edge, and then I had to tack down this stiffened fabric. And <laughs> the only way I could do it, I switched, um, I used my free motion foot. Uh, I have two different free motion f feet for my sewing machine. I use the smaller one, which is just a very small metal circle that just barely, it's just barely bigger than the needle. That's the smallest foot I own. And I wanted a really small one because I had to wedge it in there between those folds. <laughs> And so I was kind of crunching down this thing and moving it around. And I just did quick tacking stitches in three different places across the top of it to hold it down. And I used black threads so that you can't really see it. There's a black backing. And so if you look on the back, you can see where I tacked it down, but it kind of blends in because it's, it's black. So it wasn't that big a deal. Um, so that's how I got that attached. And, you know, it's one of these things where whenever I do a project like this where I just kind of do each step as it comes to me, and I don't necessarily have the whole thing fully planned out at the beginning. You know, that's the risk. You you can sometimes work yourself into a corner and say, okay, now I need to figure out how I'm going to deal with this issue. <laughs> but I have fun with that. You know, I really enjoy doing this whole process. And again, I'm pleased with the way it turned out in terms of what I was expecting to get. Um, I didn't really know what I was expecting to get. So I, I was pleased with the way it turned out. It's not my all-time favorite project. I don't know that I will necessarily keep it hanging up in my house for too long. Um, storage will be an issue because of that stiff fabric, but I'll figure it out. Um, but I, I did have a lot of fun with it. So that was my Band Books Week project. I am now starting to work on my postcard for uh, Sandy at Quilt Cabana Corners Fall Postcard Swap. 
I don't actually remember what the deadline was. I think it was sometime in October. I think it was Halloween, if I recall. <laughs> I don't, I'll need to double check that. But I knew I wasn't going to get to it until this week and following anyway. So, you know, my postcard partner, I'm sure would be gracious enough to wait if I just blew a deadline. But I don't think I did. Um, so I'm hoping to have that done in the next couple of days. This week is a little tricky because it's one of my weeks where I have a nighttime conference call every night, Monday through Friday. Um, but they're at 9 p.m. So I, you know, often I will um, get a little bit of sewing time in while I'm waiting for the call to start. Once I can't do anything else when I'm on the call because I am moderating the call. So I have to be, you know, eyes on the screen, hands on the keyboard. I can't be doing something else. Um, but, you know, I do have, I usually open up the conference room half an hour before the conference is supposed to start so that people have time to get in there and figure out how to use the conference room. And sometimes during that, I'll just post a thing on the screen to say, okay, you know, it starts at nine, I'll see you then. And then I go off and do something else for half an hour while I'm waiting for them to show up. So I am hoping, I know at least I should be able to get that postcard done. I already made um, some progress on it today. We'll probably make a little more progress before the day is over. Uh, but I'm not really expecting to get much else done this week. Uh, this coming weekend, again, we have the clam bake on Saturday, but I've got Sunday to myself, so I might get a little bit of sewing that done then. And then I'm in town that week, but then I leave town, I think, the following Thursday for my anniversary, if I'm remembering October. October is a lot of travel, um, some personal, some work-related, and I don't necessarily always remember what those dates are. So um, October is kind of an on-again, off-again month as well. So that's all I really had to talk about quilting and pasta-wise. Um, let me do some listener feedback. Okay, I might be responding to these a little bit randomly. I normally have these in order, but not so much this time. And I'm not going to be able to respond to everybody, but I will try to at least thank you by name. I do want to um, respond to Sarah, who emailed me when I was talking about the... Um, Quilty resolution check-in not necessarily happening until the end of this month, uh, which it will be this week. I will get the blog post ready to go up probably tomorrow. Uh, and she said, uh, as a toy store owner, I live and die by the fourth quarter. It doesn't start until October 1st, so don't sweat about us posting our quilt resolutions until the end of the month. Um, and she says, we're also way too busy on December to have worry to worry about posting when you're gone. So um, she she did also make some progress on her own resolution. So thank you so much, Sarah, for your email and your forgiveness. I appreciate that. Uh, Sandy um, also wanted to say thank you for the information I sent her regarding quilting with pearl cotton. She really loves the look of it. I don't remember if I did talk about that in the last episode. I think I was going to talk about it this time. Yes, uh, Sandy had been asking, she's been thinking about contemplating, she's been thinking about contemplating, no, she has been contemplating hand quilting a twin size quilt with pearl cotton thread and was wondering if I had any suggestions. She says, I love the look of the definition it gives a quilt and probably it would be a lot faster than tiny Amish stitches. And so I had found, um, actually a friend of mine, I, I had Guild the night I got her email and so I was talking about it with a Guild friend of mine and she said, oh, I just saw something on YouTube about that. So my friend sent me the YouTube link, which I then sent it on, forwarded on to Sandy about quilting with pearl cotton, and she found that very helpful. So if you've never thought about quilting with pearl cotton, or if you've thought about it and haven't really been sure how to go about doing it, check YouTube. Um, just search quilting with pearl cotton. I think it was actually a Craftsy class. Uh, Craftsy has a lot of videos on YouTube, and I think it was one of those that had the quilting with pearl cotton. But it was a, I watched a little bit of the video before I forwarded it on, and it was very good. Thank you, Jean, uh, says, you are a gone-on-pasta girl. I love it, too. Maybe I should get the Artisan Pasta book. What do you think? Is that the source for your whole wheat pasta recipe? Um, it's not actually the source for my whole wheat pasta recipe. I had just read somewhere along the way, at, maybe I had actually taken it from a bread dough <laughs> making class, but that you mix, you, you roughly, if you want to do whole wheat dough, you mix... Um, half flour and half whole wheat. So instead of doing the full amount of the normal flour you would use, you take half of that and you replace it with whole wheat roughly. Now, the nice thing with pasta is it's fungible. Um, you don't have to have the proportions exactly right. But I've been doing about half and half mix and it's been working beautifully for me. Um, I may, well, again, today I had unusual problems with my pasta dough, but next time I do whole wheat, I might try to up the proportion of whole wheat a little bit, but then that'll take more liquid because it'll it'll soak up more. Um, 
the reason I, somebody somewhere along the way asked why I was big on the whole wheat pasta. And that's because it's healthier than straight up pasta. You're getting more of the whole grain. Um, it's just a, a better pasta for you. Uh, in a Weight Watchers points version, it's actually a point less per cup than um, than regular pasta is. And I've tried whole wheat pastas from the store. I've just never liked them. I love my homemade whole wheat pasta. It doesn't have that same like super kind of chewy, rubbery texture that a lot of the store-bought stuff does. So that's why I've been doing so much whole wheat pasta. Um, so thank you, Jean. And yes, you should get that artisan pasta book. There are so many wonderful pasta recipes in there that I haven't even gotten a chance to try yet, hoping to. That's also where that lemon pepper pasta recipe is that I'm going to be doing this weekend. Um, thank you to Terry for commenting. It's good to hear from you again, Terry. I know you've had some um, physical, some health problems. You had some leg issues this year. I'm glad you seem to be back on Fitbit. We've been seeing you rack up the steps and putting us all to shame again, but it's especially good to see you um, leaving a comment again. Welcome back. Thank you uh, to Kati for your comment and to Ms. Lottie. Um, she was glad I was getting my quilt mojo back. Thank you. Um, and there's Kati again and Jean B again and Lori. <laughs> When I had commented on uh, one of my thinking about it Thursday posts where I talked about the dogs wanting to chase the deer, but I wasn't sure if they would even really know what to do with them once they caught them. And my friend Lori said, yeah, I don't think most dogs would know what to do. Um, thank you to Quilt and Jenny. Uh, she said, congratulations on getting the scarves done. And I have to say, we did give them out at the um, on the cruise. That was the event that they were the gifts for. And the women were so appreciative. They were so touched when I explained. Um, I, I had to actually explain that I had made them by hand. You know, it wasn't something I could just sort of sneak into people's bags and, and walk away. Mostly because the scarves have a made in China tag on them. Because the scarves themselves that I get, the PFD scarves, are made in China, but then I hand dye them. So I, I explained the quilts or the scarves by saying, you know, they have a made in China tag on them. They should have a second tag that says, and in Sandy's basement. <laughs> so I explained, um, you know, why they were purple and, and each one was different and unique, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the women were so appreciative of them that when we did the group photo after that session, I didn't even see this because I stayed in the back of the group. I was, you know, hurting them. <laughs> out of our session room to where the ship's photographers were doing our group photo. So I was way back in the back of the group. And then um, I had to go running back to the room to find something that somebody thought they had forgotten in there. I figured, okay, I can sprint back while they're trying to get set up for the photo and be back before the photo was taken, which I could. But that meant I was in the very back row. And I came up on the group from behind because they were um, posed on a set of stairs going down from the floor we were on. So I'm coming up behind them. So I can only see the back of everybody's heads. It wasn't until I saw the the photo itself when it was done, when we got the print version of it, that everybody was wearing their scarves in the photo. I was so touched and it looked so cool. So um, that was really fun to see that. So that was good. And I have about 10 left. I, I think I'd mentioned in my episode that I knew I had made a few extra. I had brought them with me just in case because you always have last minute changes and such. But um, I have I brought about 10 home again. So I'm going to be bringing those to Burma with me to give as gifts to some of the women I'm going to be meeting there. So that actually works out quite well. So hang on. I've got to pull up some more emails here. Okay. Thank you to Janet and Ethel and Pratima and Emily, who all are looking forward to doing Scrappitude. They commented on the Scrap in a Box cutting instructions, so I'm glad you're all joining in. Kati also commented on that post, and I'm, I'm only mentioning her name again a second time. Normally, you know I try not to do that, but she had said she had been using the printer-friendly button on that post to try to print off the cutting instructions, and it, it wasn't picking up the beginning of the instructions. It was only printing, turning the, the last part of it into the PDF. And when I got home, I, I got her message when I was on the, coming home from the cruise. And so when I got home and was able to get on my computer, I checked it. And for some reason, it, that's right. It's only picking up the second half of the instructions. I don't know why. But what you can do is just copy and paste the whole blog post into a Word document or something like that and do it that way. Um, again, I have no idea why it's doing that. I don't know enough about how printer-friendly works to fix it. And frankly, at this point, I don't really have the time to monkey around with it that much either. So um, if you are trying to print off those instructions 
and use the printer friendly button and it doesn't work just use copy and paste into another document and that will work and you'll be able to um, print off the instructions that way thank you to kathy and quilt and jenny who both uh, posted on one of my earlier fight the funk friday posts that they both love the concept of fighting the funk and i invite any of you to join in with me on fighting the funk and um, thank you to ozzy pip who commented also on that post and um, she is philippa is now doing linky parties on her fitness friday posts. so if you haven't started doing fitness friday posts yet but you think it might help you in your own attempts to get into better um, exercise routines or whatever you need to do like i said my mine is fight the funk and it's just anything i do to keep myself in a better mood (laughs) more or less Um, pharmaceuticals only involved when they have to be um (laughs) that Uh, that's mine it's not necessarily all about exercise but that is a significant part of it and you can link up with philippa so philippa thank you so much for doing those linky parties it is fun i know i've i've blown it the last couple weeks but i will get back into it um and she also mentions this is so much this is why i love having twitter friends blog friends who are in australia new zealand you know other they're on the opposite season schedule than we are we're just going into winter they're just coming out of winter so it's kind of fun to compare where we're at with both of those things thank you to um janet and again quilt and jenny um wow quilt and jenny's been posting a lot lately thank you and kathy who also all congratulated me i had one week with a fairly significant weight loss um i have not had that experience (laughs) since um i have not gained it all back either yet which is nice i only i think i only went up one pound with the cruise and with my whole wackadoodle eating schedule with the tooth so that's not bad um working on getting back into more normal eating habits and healthier stuff so hopefully we'll start going back down again um Let's see, who else talked to me? Okay, now we're getting into much more current comments. Those were some older ones. Uh, Thank you to Jackie on your comment on my Band Books Week project. And she also says, uh, I also find it fascinating the parts of books that stand out and make an impact on our life. You know, that's something I thought about the first two years I did Band Books was the first books that popped into my mind and the scenes that stood out to me from those books. And those were books I had read at least 20 years ago in one case and probably 30 years ago in another case because it was a book I'd read as a kid maybe even longer than that but let's not go into how old I am and how long it's been since I was a kid Um, but both of those had very strong images that just stuck with me all of those years this book I had read specifically for this challenge but knowing that I was going to do a quilt ahead of time I was kind of you know in the back of my head I was looking for images and just that one just popped right out at me the red Um, the Red Sox. So it is really interesting to think about books in image form. It just makes you, you know, kind of comprehend the whole concept of literature a little bit differently. Um, Thank you also to Quilt and Jenny again. Wow, Jenny, you really put me to shame in terms of my lack of commenting on other people's blogs. I need to get back into that. Um, Thank you from the Jean B, the Jean B, on her comment on my Band Books Week. And she said, um, This is a wonderful addition to the growing collection of meaningful quilts highlighting banned books. And, you know, it is cool to see everybody's quilts. I wish we could do one big physical show with everybody's books all in one place, or everybody's quilts that are showing up in the Flickr group. If you have not been to that Flickr group, you need to go. We've kept one Flickr group for all three years so far of the Banned Books Week Challenge. So you can see all three years worth of um, banned books quilt projects that people have posted there and it is really really cool um and the Jean b also said she loves how i'd chosen a passage in my write-up to succinctly portray the essence of the importance of this book on the struggle for freedom it it really was a meaningful book for me so i would recommend persepolis to anybody um Thank you to Annie Kay for her comment on my Band Books Week project as well. And she said the red feet, the socks, reminded her of the old practice of foot binding on Chinese women, hindering their freedoms as they were made to suffer in order to become subservient and suitable brides. I had not even thought of that, Annie. That is a really cool connection. I really appreciated that because it got me thinking about it too. Um, It's always cool to see what other people make of what you do, even though you think you know what you intended. (laughs) Um, Thank you to 
Sarah for your comment, and she says this is her second year of not getting to participate in the Banned Books Week challenge. She had planned on doing so, but a medical problem raised its lovely head, she says, and her participation was put on the back burner. Um, But again, as I said earlier in this podcast, you can start thinking now about next year. So we'd love to have you join us. Um, A comment from BioLiz. Thank you so much. Or BoLiz. I'm sorry. I always want to pronounce the J in your screen name as in a Spanish way. Um, BoLiz, who also said, uh, commented on my announcing Scrapitude. And she had made the first Scrapitude using a beige background and it looks fantastic. She says, I would send a picture, but I have no clue how to do that with my first generation iPad. And I know those first generation iPads, I've heard of other people that have had some problems with photos on them. Um, Let's see, Kati again, and Joan, who said she's planning on also doing Scrapitude. Um, Quilton, Jenny again, and (laughs) Terry, yay. Um, I had been blogging about the app waterlog which i absolutely love and got a lot of people hooked on it on twitter it's beautiful uh thank you to sandy of quilt cabana corner for posting now now we're getting back into old blog posts because this is back from right after my birthday in august and she said it was a wonderful way to celebrate 49 um that was when i did my cooking class and she hopes i have fun with my pasta machine and um, Jean does. Jean also commented because I had mentioned in there that I we couldn't find um, spinach in the farmers market in August, and she said the market might soon have a fall crop coming in. So I'll have to go. I missed the farmers market this weekend. I'll have to see maybe sometime during the week if I can pick some up. And thank you to Gretchen who said, "Looks like you had a great birthday and managed to spread it out over several days," which is true. I always do. My husband used to say I didn't have a birthday. I had a birth month. <laughs> because of celebrations with various people that tended to to happen. Um, And thank you to Joan, who at that point was hoping I got my mojo back. I think my Quilty mojo is mostly back at this point. Um, You know, the the chronic tooth issues, anything that's chronic like that really kind of just sends you for a loop. You just get tired of dealing with it, and it affects your whole mood. I know people who have had foot problems, back problems, you all feel the same way that it just happens when you've got something that doesn't feel right about your body it just wears on you now that my tooth is kind of at least halfway repaired um i'm feeling better i'm i've got all my travel stuff is behind me now um you know i'm off the dramamine i'm off sleeping pills all of that kind of stuff so i'm starting to feel a lot better and starting to actually do stuff again so that feels good um and there's Kati again. Kati also gets a gold star for being a strong commenter on blogs and podcasts. Thank you. And thank you to Beth, who thought I had a very thoughtful husband. And I do. Um, Carrie sent me, and this is also a very long ago email, I, um, but I do believe I responded to you, Carrie. Uh, she sent me an email with pictures of some mug rugs she was making in progress. And they are beautiful. I really appreciate that you sent them. Um, and she said, thanks for the encouragement you give Quilter. I love seeing pictures, folks. If you don't have a Flickr account and aren't posting them there, and if you don't have a blog, just email them to me. I love seeing them. Um, thank you to Tori for emailing me in mid-month, because she had been MIA her own self, she says. Um, but she thinks of me every time she gets emails from Brickholder's Fabrics. Um, and she's having problems commenting on my blog or podcast links, uh, You should be able to, if you go straight to the website on your computer, sometimes people are having problems if they're going through like a Feedly or a Blogloven or something like that. Um, At some point, I am probably going to move back to WordPress. I just have not had time to do that yet. It takes a long time to move everything back and get all the direct redirects happening and all that kind of stuff. I just have not had time. Um, But I know a lot of you are having problems um, being able to leave comments and I, I miss your comments. So... I probably will go back to WordPress. It probably won't happen until the beginning of 2015 (laughs) at this point. So hang in there. You'll be able to talk to me again. And again, if you can't leave a comment, just send me a tweet or shoot me an email or whatever. Um, Tori also talked about, she says she thinks she gets uh, seasonal effective in the summer as opposed to the winter. And I have heard of that happening. I know it's a thing. Um, You know, different, our bodies are chemistry, essentially. And the sun is chemistry, (laughs) And so each of us is going to react to things differently. I also think time of life has something to do with it. I was actually one of my sisters. I'm the youngest of four girls. 
And um, so my sisters are all in various stages of, shall we say, menopause. <laughs> and um, it really, I know that um, it just changes how you react to things. Because I was commenting, I think I wrote about this on my blog, I think I've probably talked about this in the podcast, that I've always had some issues with anxiety and, and stressing out about things and, and that sort of stuff. But normally I'm you know, able to handle it. And the summer, I just couldn't. And it's kind of dredging into this fall a little bit. I'm having unusually strong reactions to things that I didn't react to this way before. And one of my sisters emailed me and she said, you know, I had the same thing happen when I got into premenopause. I'm like, great. <laughs> oh, just great. If that's what this is, I've got years of this to go now. So, you know, it, it is a possibility. Um, going by family tradition, I probably have another good two, three years to go before I really get into it but you know that does mean yeah I probably am in pre all that Perry that they talk about um just me and Perry we're just having a good time up in here <laughs> so anyway I'm assuming that's probably what's going on but that doesn't mean I don't still have to deal with it somehow so I can get through the next few years without driving myself and everybody else around me absolutely insane um and thank you also to Sandy, uh, who had emailed me before, had emailed me a second time and, and asked, she said, isn't homemade pasta the best? My husband has memories of his grandmother draping the pasta between kitchen chairs as she made it. <laughs> I, I actually thought about that today, Sandy, as I was making my pasta. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Sandy had mentioned to me that her, her, um, grand, her husband's grandmother had used kitchen chairs. And I looked over at my kitchen chairs and I said, oh, no, they'd need some scrubbing down first. And by the way, golden retriever. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it as contained on the kitchen counter as possible. Um, but yeah, boy, that pasta can take up a whole lot of room once you start pressing it out. And I have one more to respond to. Hang on, I got to go find Okay, I have a very um, belated response and a huge apology for uh, a, another Sarah, yet another Sarah, who had emailed me back in March. And I only found the email... In August, somehow I just, I had completely blipped. And I try to be so on top of responding to emails. And I, so I'd emailed her back at that point and said, I'm really sorry, you know, that I, I missed this. Did I respond to this or not? Because sometimes in my Gmail account, depending on where I pick up the email, what device I'm on, sometimes I can't always tell what I've actually done. Um, and no, I had not responded. And I, I really apologize, Sarah. Um, I, I really do normally try to be more on top of that. Um but Sarah and I had, she had talked to me about the differences in our create modes of creativity and, and how we're able to learn from each other that way. And I, I have to say, Sarah, I actually used to be a lot more like you. It's only more recently that I've, I've kind of gotten into this new mode that I'm in of just sort of starting without having a definite plan and seeing what happens. Um, that's kind of, that's really a new thing for me in these last few years. Um, and I think some of that is just because I wore myself <laughs> out. <laughs> um, I've always been such a list person and so organized and so deadline driven and, you know, trying to stay on top of stuff that I kind of hit a certain stage where I was like, okay, I have to be like that for work. I don't have to be like that everywhere else I go. And maybe it'll be good for me not to be like that. So I've really been kind of working on loosening up a little bit in terms of my creativity, just letting it happen. Um, now, again, as I said earlier in this episode, that does mean I can sometimes box, my, box myself into a corner with no escape <laughs> because I haven't planned ahead. But, you know, I actually really, I'm, that just tickles me when I do that and I have to figure it out. So, um, you know, we all we all approach things differently and sometimes we approach things differently depending on where we are in life. And I may go back to, you know, a few years from now, I might go back to my original mode or a whole different mode altogether. Um, we all grow and change in life. So it was really good hearing from you, Sarah. And I again, I really apologize that it took me how many months now <laughs> to actually get back to you. Um, I, I will really honestly try not to do that again, except... I do put the caveat when I'm in Burma. I'm not going to be able to get any email, I don't think, while I'm there for that entire month. So I will probably be scrambling a bit when I get back. And hopefully, you know, it's possible some things will drop through the craps, cracks. <laughs> okay, you didn't just hear me do that little slip of the tongue. Um, so anyway, that's it for this episode. Um, again, I will be posting in my blog this week for the uh, third quarter 
quilty resolution check-in and do a giveaway post and all that kind of stuff. I also have some other catch-up blog posts that are going on this week, so you'll be getting a lot of blog posts this week. But again, don't panic. I, I, I don't actually usually post all that often, so you're, if you subscribe by email, your emails will not get deluged. <laughs> This week is going to be a good week, but after that, it'll probably go dry again for a little bit. Um, Thank you again to everybody who played along with the Band Books Week. Once again, it was a great week. Um, I have to go pick up mine from the uh, library tomorrow, but it's always kind of a thrill to see your your stuff at the library. And I know Jackie, I think, was taking hers over to the library, so you've got to make sure you take pictures of your stuff in the library. And if anybody else has done a uh, display in their libraries, make sure you post pictures of it as well. And if you didn't do it this year, talk to your library now about the possibility of doing it next year. They're usually pretty game for that kind of thing. Uh, So check it out. Uh, and that's it for this episode. So you know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Flickr, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. I'm also that on Craftsy, although you can't search for me that way. And you can friend, no, I already talked about Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, K-I-V-A, and do good all over the world. And you will find links to all of those things at quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.